0: I think a real sign of our generation is the fact that I cannot hear the song Foxy Lady and not think of Garth. Foxy. And his little, his little fox
1: dance. Those fox ears.
0: If there's ever been a movie character <laughs> that I associate with, it's, it's Garth. It is 100% Garth Aww. from Wayne's World.
1: You'd be Garth. I'd definitely be Wayne.
0: Yeah, no. I I am the Garth of this situation. You are definitely the Wayne. (laughs) You're the Garth of this operation. Yeah,
1: I mean, definitely. You fear change. (laughs) We fear change.
0: Do you have a Stacy, though? Did anybody ever give you a gun rack?
1: (laughs) I don't own a gun, let alone enough guns to constitute an (laughs) entire rack. rack. You're not careful, Wayne. You're going to lose me. I already lost you. (laughs) I lost you two months ago. (laughs) Live in the now. (laughs) Oh, that's such a good fucking movie. I could do an entire podcast just quoting the entire movie out of order.
0: We should just redo. That should be a fucking Patreon special. It's just us redoing Wayne's world. (laughs) But not in order at all. No, but not in order. And that's going to be the fun part about it. And we do all the characters. Oh my God. This is perfect. Yeah, this makes sense. Get ready, Patreon people. <laughs> it's coming for you. It's coming. It's, it's coming, coming to hard. get you. Ah, and she brought it back full circle. Look at that. That's how good we are here. Here at Rock Candy. Candy
1: Podcast. Hi, everybody. That's what you're listening <laughs> to.
0: We are your weekly podcast bringing you sweet treats from the world of music. And we are your two lady hosts. I'm Maggie. I'm Ashley. And we got foxy treat for you kids this week (laughs) and a treat that was definitely influenced by beer but also like influenced by but i don't know shit about this person yeah yeah so i was like all right all right let's do it let's go into it we're talking about Jimi hendrix today do you think... I don't know if don't know. he gets... I mean, he probably deserves more of, like, a sweet guitar solo. Yeah, I don't think, like, he, would, me- I don't me- think he would care for air horns. No. I get the impression he does not care for Can air horns. Can you imagine if he was still alive and he used air horns in his music? That'd be great. Would he, like, work with Lil Wayne, you think? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I mean, do something with Katy Perry. Oh, you know what? Maybe it's a good thing he's not alive. <laughs> I mean, it's not. It's not. That's actually a terrible he thing. He would go...
1: Would he? Would he go the way of... So many classic rock uh, guitarists these days, and start, work- know what? I start working with the younger generation, the Ariana Grandes. Mm. Mm. See, that's the-, the thing is,
0: like, I feel like he's somebody who would encourage the Utes
1: to like to listen to his music <laughs> and listen to his music. Don't let your
0: dreams be dreams. Maybe. Oh
1: my God, you sound like one of them.
0: Stop it. Well, no, that's the point. It's uh, what's his face, Shy of the Beef. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Don't let your dreams be dreams. I mean, shy of the beef is a whole different beast. Oh yeah, here.
0: that says nothing <laughs> to do with anything that oh, we ever no. talk about. No, no, shy of the beef here in Rock Kitty Podcast. <laughs> oh. Yeah, my brain's on shuffle. It's fine. And I guess before I really get into the meat and potatoes of anything. Even before the beer, I would like to cite my sources because we always forget to cite our sources. Yeah, keep doing that. Yeah, but I'm not going to this time because I'm doing it right now. So first off, I am going to say I am still currently reading the book Room Full of Mirrors by Charles R. Cross. Very good biography of Jimi Hendrix. It is not biased. It's factual and he seems to try to take his sources from or his information from different sources, Mm -hmm. which is good. And it tells more of a factual story. It's not just like this bloated jerk-off fest to Jimi Hendrix, which is good. because yeah. I you have a hard time finding that a lot, I feel like, with biographies.
1: I also feel like there's a very difficult... It's, it's very difficult to find that when it comes to Jimi Hendrix. Because to be honest, anytime somebody mentions Jimi Hendrix, people just break their arms jerking themselves off, going off about how fucking amazing he is. Right. And I'm not saying he isn't. Right. However, it is hard to find something neutral, I
0: feel like. He was a talented yeah. guitarist. Right.
1: Just statements. It's a fucking shame
0: that he is gone so young. Right. Those are good neutral statements. Right, exactly. Like he could have done so much more with his life. Right. He was cut not even I don't even say he was cut at the prime. I'd say so he was cut like like I think he didn't. He, could did, have done a lot he more. hadn't even crested yet. Yeah, I think he was like coming to the crest. Yeah. He was. He was, hadn't hit he was on yet. the upslope.
1: Oh, he was curve. he was
0: 100% on the upslope, <laughs> which is probably the worst part of it all is like when you're on the fucking upslope. Yeah. He didn't even hit like the fucking zenith of it all. That's some fucking goddamn bullshit. I felt like really swearing right there. <laughs> also, um I did watch the documentary Voodoo Child.
1: Mm-hmm. It's on Netflix. It's fine. Oh yeah, that can- they, they 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 slapped that on there a few months ago, didn't they? Yep, and I didn't watch it. Sorry. It's okay. It's
0: it's it does have some tidbits, some little some little, small some little of like information, mm-hmm. but I think it's a better way to get to know what Jimmy's personality was like. Okay. The positive part of Jimmy's personality. <laughs> you don't get the drug stuff from those.
1: Really? Mm. I mean,
0: huh. you do in the book, but you don't in The documentary. That's
1: interesting. It's
0: all told from standpoints of, like, letters and interviews that he's done. Okay. So it's a little... So, of course, he's not
1: going to talk about the drugs that he does in interviews
0: and stuff. Or, like, a lot of the bad things that he did. Right. Which I didn't know he did bad. That's, again, the really fascinating thing about this is, like, you know his music, but you don't know his story. I mean, I don't don't know his story.
1: Yeah, I don't either. Like, I have no idea. I really don't know any of it. Aside from his... Aside from stories from his famous performances, like Woodstock, and I think he right? o- he opened for the Monkees once, and it was horrible. Oh, I think he did that, right? He I don't opened think for the so really? I don't think so. Am I thinking of somebody else? Maybe no. He did tour with the Monkees. Yeah, yeah, and like people booed him off the stage because they were probably because like, they wanted to see the Monkees. Yeah, oh. Jimi Hendrix and the Monkees is not that is a weird bill. That's a weird.
0: It's almost as weird as the concert we went to. I was just gonna say, but it also sounds delightful. Almost
1: as weird as Devin Townsend opening for Avatar, but you almost.
0: know, but not quite. Almost, kind of. My other source is this beer. It's a <laughs> good source. Through.
1: It's a good source of
0: <laughs> nutrients. Sure, it's nutrients that my some, body craves. Some greens. It's <laughs> the hops that <laughs> Your my body, body craves, electrolytes. craves. Electrolytes. It does. I mean, there's electrolytes in beer, right? Sure, sure. Anyway, we are drinking this week haze. From uh, Treehouse Brewing. I like you how you said it Hayes. Hayes! I don't, I mean, like, it's weird. It's
1: like it's waving just at you. Just say it, just say it. Haze. Fuck you. <sighs> it's a double no, IPA. It, it makes it sound like it's waving at you, and I Hayes.
0: like that. Haze. I mean, it's me. I, you know I'm not going to say it like a normal person would. But anyway. Yes. It's from so, Treehouse House Brewing. Brewing company. It is a double IPA. Brewed in Monson, Massachusetts. i made it french it's not french um but it's a fun it's a fun little can and it's a it's an ipi it's good it's fine i like it yeah it tastes really good with blueberries
1: it does surprisingly like those
0: blueberries were clutch
1: i feel it added a nice little like
0: just sweet little subtle flavoring in
1: there yeah treehouse has a lot of really good beers yeah. And they're very exclusive. Mm. I so mean, that's every time. special. Every time any one of our friends go to Treehouse, like, I can't believe
0: we're here at Treehouse. Seriously, though. But honestly, like, <laughs> every time anyone ever goes to Treehouse, they make a big fucking deal about it on Facebook.
1: Well, people camp out on their brewery grounds just to stand in line to get cans of beer. I mean, they're fine. Their stout's quite good. Their, their coffee stout was mm. fucking delicious. It was. I, I mean, was down with that. I'm not about to camp out. Oh, no. Period. Let alone camp out at a brewery and Mm -mm. wait for beer in the morning. I can just go some other time. Yeah. Or go somewhere else. I mean, I'm happy with what I can get. But it's good beer. Yeah, Treehouse does a good job.
0: Shout out to Treehouse, for sure.
1: If you're inclined to stand in line for a long time, you can go there in Massachusetts and get some of their beer.
0: Yeah. I mean, I know we got a lot of you uh, New York, New England listeners. You know where to go. Mm Mm-hmm. And
1: pick some up for me while you're there. Yeah.
0: If you could uh, grab us some beers, that'd be (laughs) clutch. We're not going to do an episode on them, though. Especially if it's like fish or the Flaming Lips.
1: (laughs) I don't think they have jam band themed beer. We'll save that for Dogfish Head.
0: (sighs) Come on, Dogfish Head. Get it together. (laughs) Anyway, let's get into this. So, Jimi Hendrix is a household name. His music is stuff of actual legend. But what about the legend of Jimi Hendrix? How many people know his story? How he came to be? Who influenced him? Where's he originally from? Well, today I'd like to share that tale with you. The listeners. Ooh, mm. Maybe she get a little NPR with this. <laughs> his story is one of hard work, where you see someone who is genuinely passionate for the art and couldn't stop learning more and more about his true love, music. The struggles he went through in childhood, as well as early adulthood, helped to shape the emotional sound his guitar would make when he played it. But he had his demons as well, and they would lead to his eventual and all-too-early death. Jimmy was a quiet and gentle soul, but once he had a guitar in hand, his personality did a 180, and he would become a ball of energy that you just couldn't ignore. Here is where I start to tell his little story. It's not little, it's actually... Really way more immense than I expected it to be.
1: Gather round, kids. Gather
0: around children, <laughs> while I tell time. you the tale of Jimi Hendrix. <laughs>
1: <laughs> meow,
0: meow. No air horns here. No air horns. The story of Jimi Hendrix begins on November 27th, 1942 in Seattle, Washington. Johnny Allen Hendrix was born to Lucille and Al, and these parents had a pretty tumultuous relationship from the start. Lucille was only 16 when she not only got pregnant by a 22-year-old Al, Ooh. she also married him three days before he was shipped off into the army for World War II. Yikes. Right? So really, it shouldn't surprise anyone that this wasn't the best arrangement. No. 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 Mm-hmm. Not great. Also, I did not know he was from Seattle. He is. Well, holy shit. West Coast boy. Hmm. Northwest Coast boy. <laughs> that makes more sense. Raising a child on your own is hard enough, but for someone who is a child themselves, Lucille needed all the help she could get. Enter her sister Dolores and friend Dorothy, who basically took her son as their own child. A village definitely raised Johnny. And that's how he would be known until the age of four, when his parents decidedly changed his name to James Marshall Hendricks in honor of Al's late brother.
1: Interesting. Right? That's kind... That's kind of changing yeah. a A dog's name, like who's 12 and you just adopted him and right? they've had the same name their whole life. Yeah, well, even
0: at 12, like when you adopt like a five-year-old dog, but he comes yeah. to you with the name Chris and you're like, why would you name a dog Chris? And you're like, all right, we got to come up with something. <laughs> we got to come up with something that's yeah. kind of like Chris, but I... <laughs> not a human name. Because you know what? Naming Don't your name animals your animals human, human no. names. Don't do it.
1: I watched one of those um, videos by the Dodo that does a lot of the animal videos. Oh, I love those! And somebody had a story of their dog in it, and it, I wasn't listening to it. I was just reading the captions, and they kept referencing somebody named Michael, and no. I thought it was a person. No, no, these people name their dog Michael. That's a human name. And also, too many humans have the name Mike. Yeah, there's already too many Mikes. naming your dog Mike.
0: Mike. This is, this is outrageous. I'm calling an end. Hashtag stop all mics.
1: I mean, I I'm not saying mics are bad. I'm just saying can we your name's a little bit overused. Mike. Yeah. It's a little bit overused. We don't need it anymore. We're done. We can put it away for a while. My own boyfriend's name is Mike. So, like, enough. Yeah. Enough. We've seen it. It's been done. Like, if I go into a bar and I just say, hey, Mike, and, like, ten people turn around... It's too many mics. Too many mics. Too many, many mics. Mi-
0: Seriously though, too many mics. If you're naming your dog Mike, we're done. Michael. Michael. Hey
1: Michael. Michael. Time for dinner. I would just. You work- gotta go pee pee, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you do your poops and your pees in the yard, Michael. You go poopies.
0: Oh my God. Fucking. Don't name your dog a human name. You're not cute. You're not clever. You're just an asshole. You're very
1: unoriginal. I don't also, know
0: how many listeners we just lost with this rant, but
1: I stand by I my stand beliefs. I stand by this. All you Michaels out there are just fine. However, we're done with your name.
0: And I'm done with people naming their dogs human names. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Both of those things. We're you. done. You're done. We're done. We're over it. Thank you, next. <laughs> and I think it's it's uh, it should be important to say something that the women in Jimi Hendrix's life were really important. And, like, crucial in raising him. They like, seem like it. Yeah, I mean, like, his mother wasn't the best, but, like, her family and friends, like, her father's, or I'm sorry, his father's mother, so Jimmy's grandmother, mm-hmm. they all had a very heavy hand in raising him. Which I think, you know, really shaped a lot of his personality mm-hmm. and why I think he came across a lot more calm. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's I don't know, I just, think, I just think it's, 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 a, it's important to note, like... Jimi Hendrix would not have been Jimi Hendrix if he was not raised by a lot of ladies, I think. I think yep. it helped him to, like... I would see that. I mean, like, especially in the times of, like, the 50s, like, that helped him to be a little bit more in touch with his emotions. Because yeah. men back then were not supposed to show emotion. Right. Guys, you can show your emotions now. It's, it's fine. fine. with it. It's fine. Do it. I, want, I like watching a man cry. That sounded wrong.
1: <laughs> you uh, know what? But did it? Mm-hmm.
0: It wasn't until the age of three that Al got to meet his son for the first time, and finally had a chance to develop an actual relationship with his wife. Now that he was back, that meant more babies. The next in line was Leon, who would be the sibling closest to Jimmy not just in age, but in camaraderie as well. They helped each other get through their childhoods. See, Al had trouble finding and keeping a job when he came back from his service. Both he and Lucille discovered a common love for the devil's juice. Alcohol.
1: It's <laughs> like it? it's like sparks? Four loco? What are you talking <laughs> <It's> just about? just <laughs> four loco. They fucking loved four loco. They were ripped on four loco oh all the time. <laughs> Picture like nineteen fifty four loco. Giant cans of four loco in <laughs> paper bags. I really
0: want to photoshop four locos into like nineteen fifties <laughs> pictures now. That sounds delightful. When they weren't fighting, they were out on the town drinking and having a good time. But Al couldn't keep his fist to himself, and Lucille found it easy to roam. Because there was a huge age gap. She'd kind of leave, go hang out with other men. He'd huh. get really jealous. He'd hit her a lot. It was a terrible relationship. That They shouldn't sounds have been awful. together. Yeah, not great. Not a great place to raise children. Nope. Or even exist. Don't do it. Nope. They moved around a lot, and they continued to have children, Joseph, Kathy, and Pamela. But the unfortunate thing about these children is that due to Lucille's heavy drinking, they were all born with severe birth defects.
1: Oh, wow. That's crazy. I didn't
0: even know any of this. Yeah, right?
1: See? It's So crazy. I'm giving
0: you guys facts. <laughs> That's what we do on this show. Jeez. So severe were these birth defects that the Hendrixes could not care for them and therefore had to give them up to the system. Joseph was born with two rows of teeth. What? That's terrifying. One of the birth defects was he had shark
1: teeth. That's terrifying. Can you imagine a baby with two rows of teeth? I don't even want to imagine a baby. Right. Let alone one with two rows of teeth. Two rows of teeth. That's and it's crazy. Foot. Yeah. I feel so bad for them. Yeah, these kids. I they, they don't really and the and book like, doesn't really go much further into detail than like I mean what happened, but the oof. system still isn't that great, but the system in the 50s and 60s no. Holy fuck. With with like just developmentally disabled.
0: say disa- thank you, that's the word disabled <laughs> children. Yeah. No. It's I horrible. Can, I don't even want to I don't even ugh. I have no idea. Even Leon would be given to foster care off and on throughout his childhood, which was a blow to Jimmy, who was deemed old enough to, like, I guess, I don't know, mentally stable enough? I don't know. But just to care for himself and stay with his parents. Mm-hmm. Like, they were like, all right, the parents can take care of one kid. Jimmy's the oldest. He seems to have a good head on his shoulders. He can stay with his parents. So what happened to his Next, youngest. So Leon would kind of come in and out of the picture. Sometimes he would be in foster care. Sometimes Al would get his shit together enough to, like, have him again. Okay. Finally, enough was enough, and Al and Lucille decided to split for good. Al would take Jimmy, but would still have trouble holding on to work, and would move Jimmy around Seattle for years. Between looking for work and the drinking, Al was a pretty absentee father. So Jimmy would find sanctuary in family, friends, or even Leon's foster homes. What? Why would go stay with voluntarily go
1: to a foster home because his dad couldn't keep his shit together and
0: like the foster homes that his brother is staying at were just they were like yeah we can take another kid in like just like not permanently but like they would give him dinner and like once in a while he'd probably just sleep there.
1: Well, I mean, good Cause for shit for those would foster be so bad, parents. right? Because if you can find foster parents like that, that's great. I guess the convenient thing, in a
0: sense, was that they were all in the same kind of similar neighborhood. Yeah. They were relatively close, so it's like, well, what's having Jimmy come over and have some food and go home? One of the comforts Jimmy found in life was to carry around a broom like an electric guitar, (laughs) mimicking his idols like Muddy Waters, BB King, or Howlin' Wolf. So just this little kid walking around, I've got an electric
1: guitar! Look at this! (laughs) This
0: Adorable. (laughs) In high school, Jimmy was helping his father on a side job and found an old guitar with only one string. He used it to start to teach himself how to play the classics. Specifically Elvis tunes. The fact that he not only had to learn to play by ear, but also do it using only one string probably explains why his technique was so insanely in touch and precise. Mm -hmm. Around age 14, two things happened that influenced Jimmy Forever. Seeing Elvis play in concert and watching Little Richard preach. Because there was a brief stint where Little Richard was like, I'm just going to preach. I'm not going to do rock and roll anymore. And then he's like, fuck this. I want the bitches.
1: That's interesting. I
0: don't know. He, I don't know about the fuck this I want the bitches part. I made that up.
1: He also officiated Cindy Lauper's wedding. Yeah, he did. Because he
0: could. Because mm-hmm. he was a preacher. Absorbing the absolute charisma of both of these men and seeing the influence they had on their audiences gave Jimmy a desire and a need to do those things himself. Music was an understandable escape for Jimmy and he had begun to have dreams of becoming a rock and roll star who would become an amazing guitarist, make tons of money, and come back to Seattle and shower his friends and family with cash. He wanted to repay all of the kindness that had been shown to him in his tougher times. So, he was always a pretty generous guy,
1: mm-hmm. which is
0: good. Few times were rougher than at the age of 16, when his mother Lucille died of complications brought on by cirrhosis of the liver. Damn. She had spleen failure.
1: Damn. Yeah. Yeah.
0: While Jimmy and Leon wanted to honor and grieve their mother, Al wanted them to learn how to deal with loss like a man. Oh boy. So he prevented them from going to the funeral and instead had them take shots of whiskey because that's a healthy coping mechanism. Oh my
1: fucking God. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just let him go to the funeral. Yeah. So that happened. Wow. Jimmy finally got strings to put on the rest of his guitar, but the neck was so warped that they just didn't work. So, he convinced his dad to give him five bucks so he could buy a brand new acoustic. He used to walk around with his guitar everywhere, slung on his back, upside down, much like that of one of his favorite film characters, Johnny Guitar. (laughs) There is a movie called Johnny Guitar. Yep. I didn't know that. It sounds terrible, (laughs) but maybe hilarious. I mean, it would be a fun watch. Probably. I guess. I don't know. The 50s were weird. Yeah. And like I mentioned earlier, it took a village to raise Jimmy. He would walk around his neighborhood after school and listen for anyone making music. When he found someone, he asked them to show him what they were doing and see if maybe he could jam with them a little bit in order to just learn more. Mm-hmm. This helped to diversify his technique and overall sound. And it probably made him a few friends. Yeah. I mean, again, people were like, oh, there's little Jimmy. That kid's fucked. <laughs> his dad's an asshole. I imagine that's what people said anyway. That's what I would have said. Yeah. It didn't take too long for Jimmy to get his first gig performing with some older guys in an unnamed band at the local synagogue, Temple de Hirsch Sinai. I guess it also plused as like a performance center, which, Interesting. if any place is going to, it's going to be a temple. Yeah. Yeah. They get it. They get it. During the first set, Jimmy immediately became Jimi Hendrix. He was playing with so much Flash and upstaging the rest of the band, and they were so put off by the showboating, (laughs) they told him he couldn't come back for the second set. His friends and his girlfriend found him in the alley, just, like, crestfallen, like, oh, they told me I couldn't come back because I I'm showing them up. This is going to happen a lot in Jimmy's life, by the way. Fucking assholes. Like, Jimmy doesn't, which, good for Jimmy, doesn't understand, like, you're not the lead. Oh, you think you're the... Alright, you're gonna get kicked out of the band, (laughs) but you look good (laughs) for the one night you're out here. Alright, he's doing it. Despite that crushing blow dealt to him, he knew even then that he would never compromise his style and passion for anyone else. Employability was not Jimmy's concern. He wanted to be true to his own vision and art. Jimmy was a smart kid, but with his life in a constant state of flux, it was hard for him to really excel in school. By the time he was 17, school was just not enough to keep Jimmy's interest. All he wanted to do was play guitar, so he dropped out. So when he became a little bit more famous, he would tell interviewers fake stories as to why he never finished high school. (laughs) One of the more popular ones was that he was kicked out for holding hands with a white girl. And this wasn't true because especially at that time, Jimmy really didn't date anyone or like even hold hands like he would have steady girlfriends that like maybe he'd kiss that's okay
1: apparently maybe he's just shy him he's
0: a little shy but i think also too him and a couple of his friends like i can't afford to get a girl pregnant i think the absolute terrifying thought of getting someone pregnant made them be like i need to fuck anything i can (laughs) masturbate this is fine this is fine But also, I should note that all the schools that Jimmy went to in Seattle, not all of them, but a lot of them, were very diverse. Like, full of, like, Filipinos, blacks, whites, Asians, Mm -hmm. like, everybody. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know how pissy his school would have even been if he held hands with a white girl. Right. So, but he just wanted to make his, he wanted to make his mythos a little more interesting than just, school's stupid, I'm out. Yeah. His first real band of any significance would be called the Velvetones. They comprised of guitars, keyboards, horns, and they dressed up in suits and glued glitter on their pants to make them shiny. Glitter? They's into glitter. They's
1: into glitter. They's into glitter.
0: <laughs> and while the chance to play with other musicians helped Jimmy greatly, it was hard for him to make loud enough sound with his soft acoustic guitar. So again, with
1: his father's help... He got himself a sweet electric guitar. I mean, at least his dad had the foresight enough to be okay with buying him a guitar. Or did he steal the money from well, his dad? No. His
0: dad gave it to him with like a lot of begrudgingness. Uh huh. So there's that. Um also Jimmy was left handed and Al did not like that. Maybe because of the devil, I don't know.
1: Back then it was because of the devil. Yeah,
0: left handed people are satanic and the devil.
1: They forced my grandmother to write You're left handed,
0: right. aren't you? I am left handed. You are the devil.
1: That's true. You know what? This checks. <laughs> this this all makes sense. All right. Yeah, um, you know what? Al was right. <laughs> my grandmother was left handed and when she got into school they forced her right. to write a right hand. Right-hand. Right handed and she was she went to public school. So yeah. she didn't even go to a private school or Catholic school. Damn. Yeah, they didn't give a fuck. Yeah. Well, so
0: Jimmy's dad would only buy him right handed guitars. So just to be a jerk, just to be a dick, he's like, "I'll buy you a guitar, but you have to get right-handed." And Jimmy's like, "Fine, whatever." So in order to remedy this BS, he had to restring the right-handed guitar, turn it to upside be usable down, usable for a lefty. He yeah,
1: turn it upside down, and it upside then restring down. it. That's restrained. what Kurt Cobain did.
0: Yeah, well, he did it. He learned it from Jimi Hendrix.
1: Oh, I learned it from watching you,
0: Jimmy. <laughs> Ooh, I think Ooh. he learned too much from watching Jimmy. Ooh, <laughs> why? Ooh. Ugh. Woof. Also, too, poor Jimmy, his first electric, he couldn't really leave it anywhere because, like, he was still kind of nomadish. Like, his home with his dad just wasn't possible Uh to, like, he'd stay there. But he couldn't really keep his guitar there because, again, his dad was kind of a dick about having a guitar.
1: He'd probably do something to it. He thought,
0: like, music was bullshit and, like, Jimmy needed to get a real job. You know what? I think his dad's bullshit. Oh, no, his dad's total bullshit. Whatever. So... He had left the guitar backstage uh, one night and he was like, I'll just be back tomorrow night. So he stole it. Yeah. Of course somebody's going to steal it. Yeah. Jesus. So then like he had to like wait weeks and he told his dad, his dad's like just never let him live it down. It was like one of the, I think it was one of the situations of like, he didn't even beat him. He was just like, I'm mad. I'm just disappointed. Yeah. Which is worse. <laughs> so yeah. But he did get another guitar after that. His time with the Velvetones was cut short when he joined another band called the Rocking Kings. These are weird names. That's that's a lot of ings. It's a lot of fifties. Uh, fifty ings. It's really fifty. Yeah. Fifty ings. Fifty ings. I hate about the fifties. <laughs> Let's start with racism. Yeah,
1: there's a lot of them.
0: There's a lot. With them, he would gain more experience with steady gigs, most notably at the legendary Spanish Castle, which, yes, is what he based his song off of.
1: All I can think of when you say Spanish Castle is that it's some sort of, like, like southern medieval times. Oh my god, like a (laughs) Texan medieval times! (laughs) That's adorable! And Jimi Hendrix is, like, the halftime show. There's no halftime show at medieval times. I've never been to medieval times, so I don't know. blows my mind. There that are, is
0: totally up your alley. There
1: are no medieval times in New York. Mm-mm. So. You gotta go to Jersey. Yeah, Dirty Jerz. I'm not fucking going it was, to Jersey. Fucking go to Jersey. It's fine. It's fine. You've gone to Jersey plenty of times. And I almost caught my death the last time I went there. And you brought it back to me. And I brought it back to everybody, and it was horrible. It was horrible. I didn't like it. It was here when Jimmy took up the habit.
0: Of hanging around backstage in order to either ask for the chance to do sound check for a band, or he would even offer to play with them should they be down a guitarist. He was ballsy. He was like, I'm good enough, let me play with you. Good for him. Right? This gave him more exposure and more experience on stage. As the 60s came in and Jimmy reached the legal age of adulthood, it was time to figure out what he was doing with his life. Besides playing music and crashing at other people's apartments... Because yeah. right now, that's all he's doing. You should
1: do something else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. After two questionable run-ins with the law, where he was found to be a passenger in stolen cars that he didn't even know were stolen, he was given the choice to either go to jail or join the army. Wait. He wasn't even the driver. He mm-hmm. just was, he was just in the, in the car. car. I think one of them was parked, too. What? Yeah. Seattle had, a, had not a great track record in the 50s of... um unproportionately arresting black men for being black. I was going to say
1: it might sounds, surprise you. This sounds like a case of driving while black.
0: It's totally DWB.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Not even cool just PWB. Seattle. Parked while black. Parked while black. <laughs> they weren't even driving one of them. Yeah. Good job Seattle PD. Yeah. I really?
0: guess the Rockin Kings did have a habit of stealing cars and like Jimmy didn't drive he didn't know. He's just in it. He's like, "What? What's going on?" Oh well. So these are your friends, Jimmy. These are your friends, but also your friends, Jimmy. This is your police force. So exactly. Well, so the decision came pretty easy to Jimmy because he definitely had romanticized ideas of what it would be like to be part of the 101st Airborne Division. See, the log their logo is the Screaming Eagle. Like Mm -hmm. you get like the patch with the sweet Screaming Eagle on it. Did he join the army for a patch? I'm not saying he didn't. Um, but you can't disprove it. I can't say that he did. did <laughs> uh, But he would draw that logo, like, on his notebooks and shit in high school, because he's just, like, really fascinated by it. Uh-huh. So, he joined the army at
1: age 19. This is v- a very ill-advised decision.
0: I mean, at 19, you know what you're doing with your life, and you're like, the army sounds cool.
1: Ben Folds has a whole song about it. But also, your dad was in the army, and... Well, his dad's an asshole, and his dad's an asshole now. So well, maybe I think his dad was an asshole. He could have been. He probably was. He probably was. But I'm sure World War II didn't do anything to help it. World War II didn't do me any favors. Didn't do anybody any favors. Oh um, no. Well,
0: oh yeah. Well, no. nah, I mean, nah, uh, nah. I mean, okay. <laughs> like the concept of World War II is bad, but us joining it was good because Nazis.
1: Yeah, and Japan. I,
0: it was mostly Japan, though. That we were fighting the with.
1: Nazis was a good idea. However, we still have Nazis. <sighs> yeah, we still have Nazis. We still have Nazis, guys.
0: And as we can predict, being in the army wasn't all Jimmy thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Might
1: be a surprise. It's, uh, something I could have told you mm. a long time ago.
0: Pretty quickly, he asked his father to send him his guitar as a way to ease some of the stress. And because of that, he gained the attention of Billy Cox, a musician himself. And they created not only a bond and a friendship, but also collaborated musically. Jimmy wasn't cut out for the army. Who knew? Hmm. His superiors noticed that quickly and saw he had no interest in it, especially as he began to screw off more and more. He would just not show up to things, be late, just like sleep in. Mm -hmm. But in order to get himself an honorable discharge, he began to go to the medics and claim he was having a very intimate problem. He was beginning to have homosexual tendencies towards his bunkmates. And this continued for so long that the army had no choice but to give him an honorable discharge. This was his grand plan to get out of the army? I'm gay. I want to fuck my bunkmates. I'm masturbating a lot. I
1: can't stop. That's crazy. And it worked. So did they end up, like, telling people that he was there with? So I guess not, because in order to avoid
0: embarrassment, Jimmy told his friends that he broke his ankle and hurt his back during one of their jumps. Huh. But the medical records don't say anything about broken anything. Right. Right? But there are pictures of him performing with a wrap around his ankle. But, like, who's to say that that isn't just, like, to cover it up? Right. But, like, he really milked it because, like, he'd even write letters home and be like, oh, man, my it's hard to be walking around on crutches.
1: That's so funny. No, <laughs> Well,
0: and the only place that I saw about the homosexual thing was in the book, and I'm going to, out of anything that I've read and watched, I'm going to believe the book.
1: Yeah. But
0: I think he really tried to keep that in the DL, and the army's not going to say anything. They're going to well, be like, get the, the fuck out of here. Yeah, the
1: army doesn't want to be, like... Oh, we got a homo in our ranks. No, they're like, just get the fuck out. Yeah, you homo.
0: I, I don't know. I don't know what they say. Whatever. They're all assholes. It doesn't matter if you are gay; you could still be. In the-
1: you lady man, get out of lady here. Boy. You lady boy. <laughs> now I am just thinking of stupid names for gay people. You glitter gulper. You Ooh, I like <laughs> glitter
0: gulper. Uh let's see what else. I mean, that could just be your task throughout. Just randomly interject with, like, just things to call gay people.
1: Okay. I like I Glitter Gulper, of... though. You glitter Gulper.
0: Rainbow Man. Is that Rain Man? It's Rainbow Man. See what I did there? <laughs> I'm not that good at this. It's fine.
1: That's okay. I'm going to tell Jimi This is story. my
0: job. All right. Your job is to come up with names for homosexuals that are like 1950s insults. Okay. And my job is to tell the story of
1: Jimi Hendrix. Unicorn Fucker? I don't think they'd say Fucker. No, I'll think of it. I'll think of it. You'll think of
0: it. It's now that Jimmy has decided to only focus on music. There are no other paths for him. Instead of going back to Seattle where he didn't see any future career, he instead went to Clarksville, Tennessee to wait for his friend Billy to get discharged. Because Billy was only a couple months behind him. And he's like, well, just fucking wait. I'll be out in a minute.
1: <laughs> be out in a minute. <laughs> it's like he's going to go to the bathroom really bad. Hold on. I'll be, be out I in a minute.
0: I had an espresso. <laughs> Shit your pants. <laughs> it's just one sip. <laughs> Shit your pants. <gasps> so once Billy got out, the two got together with some other guys and they formed the band King Casuals. What's with the Kings? Well, also Casuals is spelled with a K. So it's King Casuals. That alliteration.
1: It's super Kardashian. Ugh.
0: They got a lot of low-paying gigs, so they went looking for a little bit more in Nashville. But let's not forget, it's the South in the 60s. So, yeah, racism.
1: Oh, Tennessee never grew up from that. No. It it didn't.
0: I mean, they grew up a little bit because at this time, there were only certain places that people of color could play. They weren't allowed
1: to play to white audiences. So, it was, it was worse. It was. There's I that. mean, I guess they're just really into guns down there now. I and- don't we're not a political podcast. We could get into it. We're not
0: gonna. This wouldn't deter Jimmy, though. He continued to practice hard and learn from anyone willing to teach him. It was around this time where he learned to play the guitar with his teeth after seeing Butch Snipes and Alfonso Baby Boo Young doing it. That's an interesting skill to want to perfect. And he did. Good for him. He got real good at it. He didn't want to be upstaged, so of it he said, quote, Down there you have to play with your teeth or else you get shot. There's a trail what? of broken teeth all over the stage. What? I think he just meant in the sense that like you either play with your teeth or no one's gonna look at you or notice you.
1: Because you have to do something crazy. And you flash have to do something
0: like to like get people to notice you. Okay. Playing with your teeth and you watch video of it. I don't know how the fuck he does it.
1: Also, like that's gotta hurt your teeth. I could be saying that cause I have sensitive teeth, but like, damn. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, I mean, you're taking a risk playing a guitar with your fucking teeth. Right? Maybe he, like, also used his tongue. I don't think your tongue's strong enough. Your tongue is, like, one of the strongest muscles in your body. All right, well,
0: I'm going to go see what I can do. I'll be Let's back. go get a
1: guitar. <laughs> Teach I'm going to play I'm gonna it with get real tongue. freaky with it.
0: I'm going to grab my acoustic and see, see how this goes. And cut my own tongue up. It's fine. A callus
1: on that thing. Oh, God,
0: that sounds terrible. (laughs) I don't want calluses (laughs) on my tongue. No. In order to stay up all hours of the day and night to practice, Jimmy also began to dabble in the use of amphetamines, the 60s crutch in the South, musician wise, I feel
1: like. I kind of feel like that. I kind of feel like that is um, a crutch that every 50s housewife. Oh, yeah. she got to stay skinny. And also every housewife from then on. Yeah. Yeah. That's a housewife thing. It is. Now it's Valium and Oxycontin. Yeah. That might
0: be the better choice. It's fine. Is it? No. None of it is. It's not. No. Well, Jimmy would practice in bed before he went to sleep, and he would actually fall asleep with the guitar on his chest.
1: Oh, that's cute. This guy
0: is constantly playing his guitar. All he lived for was improving his technique. For real. Like, he's good for a reason. Yeah. Again, he is exactly like when you tell your kids if you practice, you just got to be Jimi Hendrix. Don't tell your kids to be Jimi Hendrix. That's going to give them a complex.
1: I mean, yeah. Yeah, we don't need to do that It's either going to make them feel like they're not good enough or they should probably do drugs. Yeah. Either way, don't. But I
0: mean, who is Jimi Hendrix besides Jimi Hendrix? Your kid's not going to do it.
1: That's so philosophical.
0: No, it's not. (laughs) As restlessness set in, Jimmy would work on and off with the King Casuals. Sometimes he would move away and try different areas of the country, or he would even go on tour with other artists. When working with Gorgeous George, he ended up opening for Sam Cooke and Jackie Wilson. Oh. And he was starting to dabble. That would be a pretty sweet show. Right? Starting to dabble in that. Starting to dabble in that big stage life. That's what's happening. Finally, one night with the King Casuals, he was approached by a New York promoter with an offer to work on something in Harlem. Jimmy jumped at the chance while the rest of his friends stayed in the South. Unfortunately, the offer fell through, leaving him in the city that never sleeps without a job to
1: be had. Yikes. Yeah, he got fucked on that. I mean, New York City is kind of scary when you're by yourself and you don't know the city at all. Yep, and you're from Seattle and
0: then the South. Yeah. Yeah. But ever the resourceful one, Jimmy took it upon himself to try to get gigs, even though it was much harder here than anywhere else he had lived. Mm -hmm. Harlem was all about rhythm and blues, but Jimmy also had a heavy rock and roll sound, so he didn't really quite fit in. He managed a spot at the Apollo Theater Amateur Contest, where he won first prize, $25. That's pretty awesome. Right? But still, this didn't help him gain any notoriety or more opportunities on stage. Again, he just didn't really fit anywhere. Yeah. But with the help of a girlfriend that he was living with at the time, Lithophane Fane
1: um, also that.
0: known as Fane. Okay. Yeah. It was a complicated name. That, that's a name. Well, he began through her, he began to make connections in the music scene. Fane was a singer herself, so she understood Jimmy's plight and wanted to support him in his endeavors. Mm-hmm. Fane's encouragement and connections paid off. He began getting gigs where he eventually caught the attention of Ronnie Isley, who invited him to audition and tour as a guitarist for the backup band to the Isley Brothers. I was just going to say. The it was, IB Specials. Was
1: he uh, part of the Isley Brothers? Yep. He was part of their backup
0: band, the IB Specials, which is just IBS.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: poop jokes. Uh. That's that good, good content you guys come here for. The poop jokes.
1: Poop jokes. Poop Shit jokes. your pants. That was only a sip. <laughs>
0: I hate coffee days like that.
1: Yeah. It's just a sip. Just one sip. And then he shit pants. <laughs> Why?
0: <laughs> From there, opportunities snowballed for Jimmy. He did his first two studio recordings, Testify for the Isley brothers and Mercy Mercy for Don Covey. The latter charted at number 35 on Billboard.
1: So he's getting a little That's bit of that exposure. Good. Here you go. Thank you, Cellophane Paisley, whatever her name is. What is her name? Fane. Fane cellophane <laughs> paisley what that's is her a name? great name oh my god it somebody kind of, needs to
0: pick that up for a drag name
1: it kind of sounds like something Bob Geldof would have named his kids but it's still a pretty good name it was uh,
0: lithophane pridgen but oh I like cellophane paisley cell- or
1: cellophane pigeon no I like cellophane, cellophane paisley, paisley. <laughs>
0: that sounds like um an amazing drag name Yeah, and I really need someone to do that that's beautiful I and, might do that. And
1: they can just wear dresses that look like uh, Easter it's baskets. Just Paisley. It's just so much Paisley. Easter baskets. Gross. Um, covered in cellophane. You know what I'm talking about? Yes.
0: Oh my God. Yes. That's actually a great idea. <laughs> it's a great idea. That's a great idea. Maybe we
1: have to be that drag queen.
0: <laughs> Maybe I'll use it as my burlesque name. There you go. Cellophane Paisley. There you go. And oh, my God, that's that could be my burlesque bit. I'll just use that Easter egg fucking cellophane that they use in baskets.
1: And just peel it off. Like, this (laughs) is my bit, guys.
0: And I'll wear buddy ears. And then start throwing chocolate at people. (laughs) Take this chocolate. (laughs) Oh, my God.
1: Yeah. You know what? kind of want to do that now. (laughs) I I might. I will not go and support you because I don't want to go to a burlesque show. I know. But you do you.
0: But I've got to credit you every time I'm up there. I'm like, this was Ashley's idea. (laughs)
1: Thanks.
0: While Jimmy was grateful to have the opportunity to play with such big groups, he easily became bored. He left the tour with the Isleys by the latter half of 1964, but quickly he joined the Upsetters, the backup band to Little Richard. Oh. Mm. It wouldn't last long, however... As Jimmy's flashy showmanship
1: that I mentioned earlier really, really, really (laughs) really pissed off Little Richard. I was going to say, Little Richard don't like it when flashy people are in his band. No,
0: he had mentioned many times when Jimmy was around, like, I'm the main part of this act. I don't need anybody dressing better. I don't need anybody acting better. This
1: is me. I'm sure a lot of people dress better, but... But, like, flashier. But not flashier. No, but Jimmy would try. Yeah he's an asshole, which is kind (laughs) of
0: delightful, actually. But, yeah. So, Little Richard always felt like Jimmy was trying to show him off. Just show him up. By July 1965, Richard kicked Jimmy off the tour. I don't know exactly, but I think they purposely left him. Because it sounded like, like, years later, he would just be like, what's your fault for not getting on the bus in time? But they also didn't wait for him. So I think they stranded him.
1: <gasps> That's bullshit. Yeah. I mean, you can be mad at the guy for upstaging you. Totally understandable. Don't strand him somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because and years And all of his shit's probably on the bus.
0: I, I might not have been. I don't know. I don't remember the exact details. But yeah, years later, they would, like, have another meetup. And it was mostly amicable until, like, Jimmy's like, yo, you owe me 50 bucks. <laughs> for and the Richard's bus ride like, home? No, for, like, just, like... I don't know, wages unpaid. And Uh Little Richard's like, you didn't get back on the bus. Fuck you. (laughs) Yeah. It also sounds hilarious, though. Yeah. So for the next year, Jimmy would work on and off with groups new and familiar, like the Isley Brothers, Curtis Knight, Joey D, and the Starlights, among many, many others. He just Mm kind of band hopped. Because again, he's like, I want to do things. But I don't want to be a backup, but that's all I can do right now. Right. So he would be a backup for like a couple months and then be like, this sucks. I hate this. Leave. And then be like, oh, wait, I don't have a job, though. Oh, I need money. Right. To live. He definitely uh, he lived a, he lived a precarious life for sure. Mm. But quite frankly, by May 1966, Jimmy was just over being a sideman for R&B artists. He wanted to do his own thing because own soulful energetic self on stage not have to answer to anyone or anything but his own art so he was offered a residency at cafe what <laughs> on McDougal street in new york city
1: <laughs> what cafe what
0: what <laughs> it's cafe what without the t and there is a question mark so i imagine you have to say i'm going to oh, cafe what okay
1: got it
0: he started his own band called jimmy james and the blue flames which apparently is, like, a big thing, too. Like, Jimmy blue James. in names was, like, a big thing.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah, right?
1: I want to say Café What? Café What? Is was that owned by Davy Lee Roth's uncle?
0: I didn't dig that deep into it, but it might have been. It was a better known cafe in those days.
1: It may have been. Don't quote me on that, but I feel like I I'm mm-hmm. pulling this up from when we did our Van Halen episode episode 4 can you believe that, was that? A long, quick that was time episode ago. episode 4
0: wow i don't think we were equipped to talk about van halen and we tried anyway we tried so hard i think we would be way more equipped to talk about it now
1: we can revisit it
0: we can always revisit it Oof. we
1: can do van roth versus van hagar part 2 the revisiting the revisiting <laughs> <laughs> well here at cafe
0: wa <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy would solidify the guitar style that he would come to be known by so frickin' well. One night while playing with Curtis Knight and the Squires, he caught the attention of a woman named Linda Keith, then girlfriend of Rolling Stones guitarist Keith Richards, which that's weird that your last name is his first name. Keith Keith. Keith Keith.
1: <laughs> Keith Keith. If they got married that's their fucking- and he took their-
0: if he took her name. He'd be Keith Keith. Keith Keith. Which would make him more tolerable than I think he actually is as a person. Yeah.
1: yeah far more tolerable. Far more. Mm. That would do wonders for him. With it me. With yeah, me. I mean like with me. Yeah. that's important. Or
0: yeah. <laughs> that. Wait. What do they call couple names? Portmandu's. Yeah. That could have been their Portmandu. It's just Keith Keith. Keith Keith. <laughs> Keith Keith. We can still call him that. I mean yeah. I'm not going to not call him that. Yeah. Keith Richards now. From now on it's just Keith Keith.
1: <laughs> oh baby Keith Keith. Oh little baby Keith Keith. Have another cigarette. No, I'm not
0: going to drink anymore. I'm 97. (laughs) Really? Oh, my
1: name's Keith Keith. I'm a walking corpse. (laughs) And then we just lost another 10 listeners. Fine. Whatever. I don't like the Rolling Stones. I mean, like, they are fine
0: for what they represent in music history. I don't need anything else from them, though. Like, I feel like if they wanted to stop, I'd be like, Good for you. I think they should have stopped 20 years ago. But, like, good for you. Like, you don't have to keep work. Like, you've you earned it. You have nothing to
1: prove anymore. You've earned it. Yeah. yeah. No, I fully respect their place in history and what they've done for rock music. However. You can sit down now. You should have sat down a long time ago. But, like, you can really sit down now. You Please. should sit down. I'm, I'm worried I'm about you. I'm kind of begging you to sit down. I don't really need any more from you. Yeah, we're good. We're we're all good. We all have classic rock stations. We're good. We are good. I mean, granted, the one near us only plays like Brown Sugar and uh, that other fucking one, Beast of Burden. Oh, yeah, they do. I used to kind of like yeah, that song. Do. Now I fucking hate it. I fucking hate all of them. Uh, I still anyway. kind of like
0: Honky Tonk Woman. But anyway, wow, we digress. Yeah, let's From talk LaKeith about Jimi Hendrix. Talk. Well, all right. So Linda friended Jimmy and suggested to the Stones' manager and producer to check out his band. However, they didn't see any potential in Jimmy's music, so they passed Cause on they're him. they're stupid. Oh, but we got us Keith Richards. He's real good on the guitar. He smokes a lot of he cigarettes. S- he drinks a lot of alcohol and does a lot of drugs. I think he's more interesting he's, he wears- than this incredibly talented African-American male. Mm, yes. <laughs> Flourish the pinky <laughs> for your cocaine. Anyway, wow, I, get, I digress again. But not all was lost as Linda was also introduced Jimmy to Chaz Chandler, original bassist of The Animals. Chaz was so impressed with his version of Hey Joe that he offered Jimmy to come to London and signed him to a management production contract. From there, he created a small band of musicians who would help to highlight Jimmy's talents. And that band would be called the Jimi Hendrix Experience. They would recruit Noel Redding on bass as he had an impressive knowledge of blues progressions. And also, Jimmy really liked his hair.
1: <laughs>
0: on drums, they would bring in
1: Mitch Mitchell, who shared a common interest in style and style in rhythm and blues. What's with all of these people having the same first and last names? Mitch Mitchell, Keith Keith. And there, was some, and there was somebody else. Uh, Jimmy James. Jimmy James. Jimmy well, James. that was just
0: that was just a band name. I know. but Chess like,
1: Chandler. What's with the alliteration? Yeah, there's a lot of it. There's, there's a, lot a lot of, of it. 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 You're right.
0: In 1966, the Jimi Hendrix Experience kicked off their first tour, supporting Johnny Halliday in France. Not only was their set well-loved in Paris, but throughout most of the UK. They garnered the attention of the Who's managers, and they signed the experience to their label, Track Records. On October 23rd, they recorded their version of Hey Joe, which would go on to be a Hendrix classic.
1: And featured on Empire Records. That's true. I forgot about that. It was released
0: in December alongside Jimmy's first songwriting effort, Stone Free. It didn't take long for the Jimi Hendrix experience to blow up and have a presence throughout England. They ended up on shows like Top of the Pops and floored seasoned musicians like Eric Clapton, who knew this kid was going to change the rock game forever.
1: But were they on the old, old gray, gray whistle, whistle test? Whistle test. <laughs>
0: I don't think they were. I think Did that, that wasn't, even I don't exist? think that existed
1: then. That was the 70s thing, yeah. maybe.
0: But you know what's kind of funny, too, is, like, while a lot of these people, like, Eric Clapton, John Lennon, Paul McCartney, George Harrison, like, they were all pretty impressed. Like, they they also, like, weren't impressed? It was weird. Like, they kind of, like, doubted him a lot. Well, like, they were probably especially the like... Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones were not
1: oh, impressed. Oh, I'm sure they were all
0: probably, like, who's this, you know. Oh, who's this bloke over here, He <laughs> thinks he can play guitar like Keith Keith, well, he can't.
1: There's only one Keith. <laughs> it's only
0: one Keith, Keith, and he's in the Rolling Stones. And eh, fuck off. I mean that was me really trying hard to like invoke Mick Jagger. Oh, I thought you were doing Keith Richards. No, that was He was I just talking what? in third person. <laughs> I mean, it could be both. I, li- I like, like the
1: idea of drunk Keith Richards talking in third person. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like he just gets real, oh, like he's just, just too gets high. Fucking so ripped, much
1: cocaine.
0: Who is this bloke who thinks he's as good as Keith Richards? <laughs> Keith Richards is the only one who can coke. I mean, play guitar as good as anyone ever. <laughs> yeah, that's all oh, I really like. I like this version of Keith Richards oh, yeah. now.
1: It's amazing. Hey, Mick, give this Mars bar to your girlfriend. <laughs> 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 oh, my God, I love it. <laughs> so it's so gross. bad. <laughs> hey, we might have had
0: Brian Jones killed. <laughs> oh, they could Conspiracy could've.
1: theories. They could We have. talked about that last year. Go yeah. find that episode. Halloween episode. True crime.
0: Mm-hmm. True crime, bitch. The experience very much set out to have a look that made them stand out, much like their performances. They didn't want to just sound great; they needed to look great. They did, and they but they did though. Like, they oh my did. god, that they look good, better
1: than cellophane Paisley. <laughs> um, or because of cellophane Paisley. Hold up,
0: cellophane Paisley is beautiful and wrapped <laughs> in cellophane for Easter. I'm really excited about this concept. Yeah. They took to the popular styles of 1960s Britain, which is just like the fucking look of the time. And they all dressed similarly, even donning the same haircut or afros, if you would. Mm-hmm. So Jimmy had an afro, obviously. Uh-huh. And actually, Noel could grow an afro as well. Or Noel. Sorry. and uh, But Mitch couldn't, so he had to get a perm. Oh. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's kind of funny. Mitch, he's
0: like, well, I guess I better get a perm then because I can't grow an afro. I've got straight hair. Oh. To Jimmy, style wasn't as important as music, but it still played a big role. Yeah. A lot of ex-girlfriends from, like, his very early days said how, like, he was kind of gross, but he (laughs) wouldn't, like, I mean, like, he didn't have a place to Um, live, but he always needed to, like, gross. he always needed to, like, have the newest clothes. Like, his style was really important, and, like, if his hair didn't look right, he wouldn't go out. Yeah. So I guess I shouldn't say he was gross. Like, he was actually fairly well-groomed, and he wouldn't go out if he wasn't well-groomed. Yeah. He was very just particular about his look. Yeah. He wanted to look like a rock star.
1: He wanted people to look at him and his band when they walked in and say, oh, they're in a fucking band. Well, I mean, if you're in a band, yeah, you fucking want that because you want people to remember you. That sounds exhausting, too, though. It's part of the job, man. I know. That's why I'm not a rock
0: star. It's not because I don't have any talent. It's because I'm too lazy to dress that way. Image is important in rock and roll. And Chaz was trying his best to manage Jimmy smartly and kept him attractive to female audiences because he had a large female audience. And he was cute. He's cute. His band's cute. He's a good player. He's sexy. Like, at this point, like, he had girlfriends. He was exuding sex. Yeah. He was impressing the ladies. Mm-hmm. Like, he had that BDE for show. So, when he was dating Kathy Etchingham... Chaz felt they needed to be um, pretty hush-hush about the whole thing. So she kind of had to, like, sit in the background and, like, Jimmy might have women interviewing him. And maybe Kathy would have to chase out half-naked women from their apartments be like, what the fuck are you doing? That's some bullshit. Which leads me to talk about how our parents curse us. Their genes are embedded in our DNA making it really easy to repeat their worst offenses. Yeah. We are born to inherit the sins of our parents.
1: Also, it can be a product of your environment.
0: I mean, rock and roll,
1: males in rock and roll, yeah,
0: you're encouraged Mm -hmm. to fuck everything that moves. Much like Lucille, Jimmy's ability to stay faithful was not really there. I mean, at all. And uh, much like Al, when Jimmy had a few drinks... Violence would inevitably follow
1: oh no yeah
0: not a good drunk
1: oh, Jimmy's that no. friend that you're like
0: like we're having a party Jimmy but like can you just smoke pot or something like you don't
1: have to drink can you just hang out yeah can, you know we're gonna have chill. a dry party you're chill when you know like, you when smoke. he's chill he's
0: chill but when he drinks
1: oh no woof.
0: Jimmy. Yeah. I mean, it's a jarring contrast. You're tearing because... me apart, Jimmy. Oh, you're tearing me apart, Jimmy. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, he's normally a really qu- kind, quiet guy, speaks a lot about love, really into mm-hmm. that hippie love movement. But alcohol and girls were some of his biggest vices. But if Kathy ever got hit on by another man... Oh, of course he'd be pissed off. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. His jealousy oh. ran
1: deep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Could you even be looking at another man? Guess who's going to get the back of Jimmy's hand?
1: dare you? But mm. I'm going to go fuck this lady over here. See you tomorrow morning. Yeah, I just like the gall
0: of like, yeah, this woman's going to interview me. Oh, she's into me. I'm going to fuck her while you're in the other room. Yeah. But like the bartender gave you a free drink. Yeah. Come the fuck on. On one particularly awful night, Jimmy and Kathy were at a venue called the Bag of Nails, where Kathy went to—that <laughs> is a terrible right, name right. for a venue. The right. bag. Oh, we're going down. I mean, they're still in England. They they're gotta still go around. Do... Yeah, they're still in England. Go on down oh, to the know. bag of nails. Oh, I don't know if... the bag of nails. I would go into the bag of nails. I would will go go see a uh, Jimi Hendrix Experience. I don't even know what accent that was. I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was a lot of different ones. It a lot. Guys. All wrapped I into one. I can't keep
0: doing it. G- uh, Keith Richards fucked me up.
1: <laughs> he
0: fucks everybody up. He does, though. Kathy went to go take a call, and thanks to too many drinks in his system, Jimmy convinced himself that she was on the phone with another man. He lost it. He took the phone out of her hand and began to hit her in the head with the receiver. The fuck? Yeah. Paul McCartney and John Lennon happened to be there and were the ones that calmly removed the phone from his hand to stop the fight. Oh
1: my god- when John Lennon is when in the John room. When John Lennon has to be your get a grip friend. he is the get a grip friend and the voice of reason. Woof. Woof. Ripperoni. Choices. Holy shit. Choices.
0: Jimi Hendrix. When John Lennon is your get a grip friend, telling you to stop beating your woman. Oh
1: my God. Right?
0: Right? This, this
1: is surreal. I know. This There's so much surreal. wrong with this. My brain is like partially on fire trying to like <laughs> like tr- trying so hard to like process this yeah this is hard yeah this is hard okay you need a minute no continue you okay <laughs>
0: all right <laughs> kathy did stay with jimmy through his violence and infidelity for a couple more years But she would not be the last of his girlfriends or friends to be on the receiving end of jealous or alcohol-fueled outbursts of anger. Oh,
1: that's so disappointing. Yeah.
0: I didn't realize that about him either. And I was like, oh, come
1: on, Jimmy. I mean, nobody ever mentioned it. Maybe nobody even really knew. But damn. Well, I mean, again, when someone dies, you need to acknowledge
0: who they were as a person, even their flaws. Yeah. But the thing with but, idols is that we tend to gloss over their flaws. I
1: mean, that doesn't depreciate, I guess, their Not at talent all. No. or what they've contributed, but, but it's you also just need, you need to, to acknowledge that they kind of can be a piece of shit sometimes. Right. Jimi Hendrix had a
0: drinking pro- He had an alcohol problem. Yeah. If he didn't drink, he was fine. But drugs, too, but I'll get yeah. there. The song The Wind Cries Mary has been claimed by Kathy to have been written about her. She says that he wrote it after a huge argument that occurred between them. Something about like she made dinner, he was making fun of her. She said, "Go fucking eat your own thing." They fucking had a fight. She left. She comes back the next day, and he finished the song. And it made sense to her because her middle name is Mary.
1: Okay, yeah, that so she that was convinced out. that
0: it was about her. Is somebody else claiming? But other women, it's... many other women, have claimed that the song was about like was about them as well. Like M- Mick Jagger's girlfriend, Marianne Faithfull.
1: Marianne Faithful needs to calm down. Marianne Faithful, <laughs> sit down. Sit down. Sit down, Marianne Faithful. Whoa, but Just... here's, so here's
0: what happened, though, in her defense, what happened. What ha- happened was. She says that Jimmy told her it was about her in an attempt to sleep with her.
1: I fully feel Believe that this. that is probably the truth. It's probably not about her
0: at all. No, no. But he probably definitely told her it was. He didn't like Mick Jagger. He didn't like the way Mick Jagger treated her. Which is funny, and then and he asked her why, like, why are you even with him? And then at one point said that you know I wrote the wind cries Mary about you, right? You want to suck my dick, <laughs> Jimmy? Oh
1: God, Jimmy, Jimmy, you are tearing me apart. You're
0: terrible, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> I just Muriel's wedding, Jimmy Hendrix. I'm okay with that. But as far as coming from the horse's mouth. He says it's about a number of people, which probably checks. Yeah. I mean, he's had a lot of experiences. At this point, who the fuck knows? Right. He probably doesn't even know. So whatever. It's fine. It's a good song. As Jimmy got deeper into the music scene, he would dabble in drugs as well. Most notably marijuana and LSD. Okay. Which is, you know, like, yeah. 60s. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Um, But would also keep up with the amphetamines and start doing some cocaine as well.
1: No, come on. Which isn't as
0: good. But as far as I can tell, I don't think heroin was much of a thing for him. Okay. Probably a little bit because mm-hmm. everybody dabbled, but from what I've gotten to at this point, I haven't found any heroin. I so mean, that's
1: cool. Some people can try. Well, I it. have
0: a low bar. You
1: no know, heroin. That's cool. I mean, some people can do heroin once, maybe twice, and just really? be like, yeah, this isn't my thing. I'm not doing it. Huh. Yeah, yeah. that was the thing. I thought once you did it, you. Once your pop, can't stop. It's not a Pringle. Oh. <laughs> it's not a can of Pringles. But no, I kind of want some Pringles. Yeah, I like Pringles. I don't like heroin. <laughs> that should be on a t shirt. I like Pringles.
0: I don't like, I heroin. Don't like heroin. What? That's so non sequitur. Yeah, that's the point. Drugs would become a big part of his creative process, so he would use LSD to open his mind to new ideas for songs. And I mean, again, it's the late 60s. Are you so surprised? But you know who
1: else did that? Devin, Devin Townsend. Townsend! I mean, he I'm, doesn't and, do it anymore. And a, lot but of,
0: and a lot of musicians. Yeah, especially the Beatles.
1: But Clapton. granted, Devin Townsend did it in the 90s and 2000s. So, mm. way. It wasn't as cool anymore. It was, it was like, not fish. cool at
0: all. <laughs> the Jimi Hendrix experience had already been seeing immense success with their singles Hey Joe and Purple Haze. But those would pale in comparison to the hype that they would create with their debut LP in May of 1967. Now, I thought I could talk about Jimi Hendrix in one episode, seeing as how his career was cut dramatically short. However, I was very, very wrong, (laughs) as I haven't even gotten to talk about the fucking LPs yet, and we are over an hour into this. Yep. So, unbeknownst to me, Dude has a fascinating life, and it cannot be covered in one episode. So, the last few years of Jimi Hendrix's life being on our mortal plane, we'll have to wait until next week for the conclusion. Part two, motherfuckers! It's a two-parter, because I could not talk about him. I... I really thought I could talk about him in one part. But his childhood was really interesting. And I was like, well, I don't want to cut this short. And again, we don't know anything about his life. I feel like I don't know anything about his life. I guess if you're a big fan, you're going to know. Like, these things, there are probably plenty of people listening. I knew that. But there's a ton of people I know listening who are like, I didn't know that. Right. And I also forget, too, how much in the 60s everyone fucking cross-mingled. The Beatles, The Stones, Jimi Hendrix, everybody the monkeys, really knew everybody. The, the animals.
1: It's, I mean, you didn't have Janis Joplin. You didn't have such the dead. A massive fucking network. Yeah, of like internet musicians that we have now. Right, where you can just you could find fucking anybody. Like the
0: only other, well, I mean, probably not the only other scene. I think the new wave scene was pretty um, incestual, but also like the grunge scene
1: was yeah. definitely pretty incestual. Yeah. A
0: lot of them were connected especially when it comes to like the riot girl movement with grunge and things of that nature. But it was
1: still pretty localized mm. and it was still pretty small all things considered. Yeah. Um and a lot of it was a, a lot of scenes back then were a, just a a handful of musicians that were just creating random groups left and right with different people right you know what i mean so they had this band but then they took members of this band and this band and this band and made this band but then these members went and took and made this band and blah 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 you know what i'm saying there's a lot of different bands with the same people in them yes but i just really like watching you yeah trying that web try and explain that with a half-fried brain yeah Yeah.
0: i was down i was here for that yeah yeah no so that is uh what i got for jimmy thus far i mean still got All of his fucking music to talk about. I haven't really got... I've barely gotten to it. I've gotten to, like, where he is at this point musically, but there's so many parts of his story that it's just, like, I mean, from, like, Woodstock to just, like, setting his guitars on fire Mm -hmm. to his relationships with other musicians and women and drugs there is a lot to Jimmy's story. And there's a lot that
1: happened in a very I'm only,
0: short amount of time. That man squeezed a lot into his life. So, you know what? Good for you, Jimmy. Yeah. Except also, like, sad that you're fucking dead. Yeah. Because I just do wonder what he would have done with his life had he lived longer. Yeah. But we you'll have to wait for that lamenting for next episode. Because that's, that's where I am for now.
1: And that just means we can go find another Jimi Hendrix-themed beer yeah. somewhere. I think there's something about, like, voodoo, maybe.
0: I'm sure there's a Well, there's beer. certainly
1: Purple Haze by Abita. That's true. If we get desperate. If we get desperate. Thank
0: you all for tuning in to part one of Jimi Hendrix. Hopefully you all found it enlightening. Or at least you really enjoyed my terrible British accents.
1: Oh, I'm
0: Keith Richards!
1: Oh my God. You know, I've got something to say. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know that walking cigarette from the comic Dunsbury? <laughs> it's me. <laughs> what is, did you just reference Dunsbury? I did. I hated that fucking comic. I can't it was believe so you just bad. referenced
0: Dunsbury. All right, that's <laughs> that's definitely where we're fucking wrapping up this episode. Thank you all for listening. Should you uh, have any questions, comments, Dunsbury jokes? Uh, you can hit us up on our website, www.rockcandypodcast.com, one-stop shop. You can comment on our episodes, you can toss us an email, or just find our links to social media. Follow us on the Twitter, the Facebook, and the Instas, because we post things, and we talk, and we're getting back, getting back into the groove, back into the habit, and we're here for you. We're sister act that shit. We are going to six to ass to ass that shit. <laughs> well, uh, go to bed. <laughs> uh, I, I might need to real bad. Uh also if you like us, wanna help us out a little bit, maybe like go on to iTunes and toss us a nice little five star review and be like, yo, these girls are crazy and funny and smart. <laughs> and if somebody actually leaves that review with those stars. Good for you. You know what? No, I'm i I might send you something. We'll send you something. We'll send you something. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, if you leave that review, I've gotta totally send you something. Huh. All right, they listen to us. Yeah. 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 If you're digging what we got going on here, you should definitely check out the network that we are a part of. The Pantheon Network. They have so many good shows about music. You
1: need to check them out. And they're all lovely people. They're they freaking lovely your people.
0: They deserve your listens. They deserve your love. Please go support them because supporting them supports
1: us. Yeah. And speaking of lovely people. Yes. We have... A new Patreon subscriber. We can so, airhorn our patrons. Page-holms. Patrons. Patrons.
0: <laughs> but we can't airhorn Jimi Hendrix. Okay, that's that's
1: fair. Yeah. But we're going to airhorn this week. Kevin W, thank you so much for contributing. Yay,
0: thank you Kevin. You're the best. <laughs> I mean you're all the best, but like you're the best. Yeah. I don't know. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and if you want airhorns, give to our Patreon. We'll give you air horns. We will give you so many air horns. Just go visit patreon.com slash podcast. You can get some sweet swag, depending on how much you give. Get a sweet bonus episode. That's going to come out this week.
1: Yeah. We're going to finally do. <laughs> finally. Again, sorry. sorry,
0: guys. It's been some weeks. We've been thinking about you, though. Mm-hmm. And we love you. And you're... Your love is helping us with supplies and resources for upcoming episodes. It certainly is. So that's exciting. Indeed. You should get pumped. Yeah. So tune in next week for more stories about Jimi Hendrix and crazy. I'm sure we will talk more about Keith Richards, too. We can do more
1: stupid accents.
0: We're going to get more stupid accents and more Jimi Hendrix stories. Mm -hmm. But until then, party on, Ashley. Party on. Party on. You crazy kids out
1: there. Tired. Balls out. Thank you.